Well, we're going through the story of Christ, the life of Christ. And um, there's an experience that the apostles had, and um, they were kind of excited about being there, though they were surprised. But then the Lord told them, says, um, I want you to keep it a secret. Have you ever had somebody tell you something? Now, don't, don't, don't mention this to a soul. I don't like it when people tell me stuff and then say, now, don't tell anybody. Because <laughs> the first thing I want to do, if it's good, I want to tell everybody. So, turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Now, we're going to go into chapter 17, but we need a little, you know, a little running room, uh, you know, a runway before we kick off up into chapter 17. So, we'll start off in chapter 16. And in chapter 16 of the book of Matthew, the Pharisees came to Jesus and, well, they're always trying to trap him. They said, why don't you give us a sign? Give us a sign. So in verse 1, the Pharisees also with the Sadducees, they came, tempting to desire him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Well, he done done a lot of things already. But they wanted a special little, you know, magic trick that he could do, you know. You know, like David Copperfield, make this, uh, you know, Statue of Liberty disappear or something like that, you know. Just do something really. Well, in verse 2, he answered and he said unto them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. In the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, you hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the times? You don't understand the signs of the time, the times in which you're living. Didn't you know that you had the Word of God that gave you these signs? And one of the greatest signs was Him. The Scripture told them of the greatest sign of all, how to recognize the Messiah. And he had to be born a certain time, certain place, and live a certain way, and do certain things. And he was doing everything just like he was supposed to, but they could not discern. So he says here, and he called them a bunch of hypocrites. In verse 4, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. There shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. Now, when you read Matthew chapter 12, you'll see the rest of what he did say. See, one book doesn't always tell you everything that was said. And uh, sometimes those things probably happen over and over again. And Jesus would give an answer, and then he'd give them the same answer, but it may not be exactly the same. Some people call that a discrepancy in the Bible. It's not a discrepancy. It means you just, you weren't there. You didn't hear the whole story. Uh, not everything that he said was written. Only portions of what he said was written. And in another book, we'll have portions of what he said. That doesn't mean that they conflict. It's just that you don't understand how that all fits. I'll be talking a little bit about that tonight. But it's so important just to trust the Lord, trust his word. And you'll notice down here in uh, verse 5 where he says, And when his disciples were gone to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. So, evidently, they... They were going to get hungry. They didn't take any food with them. So that initiated another subject to talk about. 
the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the leaven of the Herodians. The leaven wasn't just the yeast that was in the bread that caused it to rise. It was talking about the doctrines that they teach. So he was warning them about the doctrine of the Pharisees, the doctrine of the Sadducees, and the doctrine of the Herodians. So there were false doctrines out there, and those doctrines contradicted what Jesus was teaching. So they looked at it as Jesus is wrong, not them. They didn't agree with each other, but they found a common denominator, Christ, to be mad at. Because he didn't agree with any of them. So therefore, they all worked together to try to find something wrong with Christ. Well, that's what goes on. It's just like, for example, we have the Bible here. And uh, I get these emails all the time. And uh, I've had people just rave about my clarity on the gospel. They like that. And uh, they're like the, the soul winning zeal. But I have a preacher that's uh, just up the road here a little ways that goes to a group of preachers that I used to go to it once in a while and I would speak. Well, not every one of them loved me to death. So there were times when they would try to poison people's minds about using me. And uh, most of it has to do with the whole Schofield Reference Bible because that's what I used. That's what Hank used. The doctor's stamp, that's what he used. And so I've had uh, people that write me all kinds of things. I mean, lots of information that would tell me how, you know, C.I. Schofield, what a heretic he was and what a, you know, an apostate he was and a false apostle that he was. Well, he never claimed to be an apostle anyway. But the things that he has in, his, in the old Schofield reference Bible, we use. And I love. But his notes are not inspired. Nobody's ever said they were. He doesn't even say that. But whenever he teaches like dispensations, and you don't believe in dispensations, or the way he teaches about dispensations, well, then you're not going to like C.I. Schofield because that's what's in the notes. If uh, you uh, don't believe in the gap theory, which I don't believe in the gap theory, well, he does. But I don't believe that. Ray Stanford believed in the gap theory in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. Hank Lindstrom, he believed in the gap theory. I don't have no problem with what they do or they don't. It ain't going to change nothing on the gospel. So uh, me and Hank don't have to agree perfectly on everything, but when it comes to the clarity of the gospel, what the gospel is that makes a difference on eternal security and all that, we believe exactly the same. A few things about prophecy, ah, you give and take, because it really is not going to change anything. But this gospel business, that's the difference of heaven and hell. So we take a strong stand on that. But did me and Ray Stanford get along? Well, of course. Did me and Hank Lindstrom get along? Well, of course. He had me down two years to speak at his camp before I ever became pastor, before he passed away. So we've been friends all these years, but we still use the Schofield Reference Bible. So a lot of people use it, but there are things in the notes that you may not agree with. And so whenever you find something that it's, um, you know, you don't agree with, like, uh, things on repentance and so forth that we may say, okay, that's what it means is change of mind and so forth. Well, we don't have too much trouble with Schofield on that. But if somebody else believes something differently, well, then they don't like this. And so they don't like people using it, so they, uh, they attacked the man. Well, the man's been dead for years. And 
you take, uh, for example, uh, Dr. Lee Robertson had the big college up there in Tennessee. Well, he used the Schofield Reference Bible. I used it. Most people have. And most fundamental preachers will use the old Schofield. So I don't have any problem in using them. I started using it because Betty's dad, that, well, that's what he used. And um, by studying those notes, I got a Bible college education. This thing has got notes in it that are really super on the gospel and explaining what propitiation is and the righteousness is and justification and all these things. And it's good. And when it teaches about the covenants, it teaches about the dispensations, all those things, it's good. But you see, there's some preachers that don't believe that the rapture starts before the tribulation. They believe it goes into the tribulation. So boy, you ought to see what I've got on those. Somebody's always trying to straighten me out. <laughs> and I think, they must think I've never read or studied. And I, well, I haven't really studied that. I don't know too much about this book that I haven't read and studied on or people that I've listened to and all the philosophies out there and the different uh, winds of doctrine that comes along. And I just smile. I've had them call me up from Colorado. And uh, somebody called me up the other day from California. And, uh, and they just want to straighten me out on a few things. And they think that all I got is time to sit there and listen to them talk. <laughs> And they'll come and say, now, I know you're a busy man, and this is only going to take about 30 seconds. <laughs> Five minutes later, they're still going. And I say, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that, but i got to run. And uh, so sometimes I have to hang up on them because they won't stop talking. Have you ever watched the news sometime, and they'll have somebody on there, and they start talking, and then they won't shut up? They won't take a breath. And then they try to just out-talk and keep on talking. I, think, I just hit a sound button. You're off, buddy. Once in a while, they do that. Just... Man, I'd do that in a minute. But, uh, but some people, they don't listen. They just want to talk, 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 talk. But anyway, I have great re respect for the book. So. And uh, you're not going to find everybody that's going to agree with everything. But it's a good translation, I believe. And uh, good notes. I, like I said, started when Betty's dad led me to the Lord, and, and I didn't have a Bible. So I stole Betty's. And uh, so I started using Betty's Bible, and then Betty had to go get another one. So when I went to Bible college, I had her Bible, a little small thing. So small, I couldn't hardly read the thing. But, you know, I could read it, but that Bible is all marked up. The pages are disintegrating. Could have had it for, you know, over 55 years. But here in Matthew, he goes through and he says about these things on the doctrine. See down here in verse 6. Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we've taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have brought no bread? Do not ye understand? Remember the five loaves and the five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? Don't you remember? How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees, because they have false doctrine. This is the thing that will get more people, because when you don't know what you believe, you're only as strong as the last person you talk to. This is why you have to be careful what you listen to. 
study the Bible. Now, if you walk into my office, and I've gotten rid of a thousand books up there, and I got rid of a hundred books since I come down here, I've got lots of books. But they are not the authority. This is the authority. Those books are not right and wrong based upon, you know, the man who wrote it. It's based upon whether or not, is this the book? This is the book. And it is amazing how many men write books trying to explain the Bible. I even try to do it, trying to explain how to win somebody to the Lord. And the Bible itself never recommends us reading another book. You read the Bible, and it'll mention certain books that have been written, but it never recommends us go study other books. Because this is the book. But we try to explain things of what this book says. But our books that we write are only as good as if it agrees with the Bible. So that's why your knowledge of the Bible is so much more important. Otherwise, you won't know if a preacher is telling you the truth or if he's lying to you. You won't know what version to use or not to use. So these things are important. But look what he says in verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, now this is in northern Israel. I've been there about six times. He asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, oh, Some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, and some Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Barjona means son of Jonah. He said, For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, That thou art Peter, and that simply means, if your Schofield reference Bible saves you a lot of time, instead of having to dig up the Strongs, you can look right there, and you can check it out with the Strong, and it'll be right. And that's why I do like it. But Peter, Petros, literally means a little rock. But when Jesus says upon this rock, it's a more of a, a stone, a big rock, a little rock and a big rock. And he says, thou art a little rock, but upon this rock, not talking about Peter, thou art... Peter, upon this, something different, not upon Peter, on this, I will build my church. So he's, and yet you'll have people who have built a whole denomination off of a misunderstanding of this one verse. And the Catholics today say that Peter was the first pope. But the pope is not supposed to be married. But Jesus healed his mother-in-law. Now, isn't it a shame to get a mother-in-law and not have a wife? I mean, there's some people, that I guess, that think that's all right. But Peter was married, married. He was not the first pope, and there's no proof that he ever went to Rome. That's all made up because people want to build a doctrine, and they, they do it. So anyway, he says, and I will build my church upon the rock. Now look in verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So many people believe that God just gave to Peter the power to forgive sins and so forth. And so therefore, you have to go through him, through the Roman Catholic Church, and all the priests now can forgive you of your sins. So that's why you come and you set up that little booth and you go in there and maybe you pay a little money and you confess your sins to the priest and he has the power to absolve you of all your sins. Isn't that wonderful? And all that is taken from these verses right here. But it's not exclusive to Peter. Because just take your Bible, just turn over one chapter. Look in chapter 18. Chapter 18, just very quick, look in verse 15. 
Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or more witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear thee, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen and as a publican. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's the same thing we just read over there in the other chapter. We're here, we're talking about people, anybody in the church. In other words, do you realize the power of forgiveness? And that decisions that you make here, God will abide by it there. And also, when he's talking to the Jewish people and talking to them about, you know, Forgive us our debts as we forgive others who sin against us, and forgive us of our sins as we forgive others who sin against us. And Christ says in chapter 6 of Matthew, If you will not forgive one another, I will not forgive you, and so forth. Well, that's under the law. And most of this and a lot of this is the same way. So if you want God to forgive you there, then you forgive others here. And so God has given to us the power to forgive people. But you may not do it. And so decisions that you make here is going to affect what God does up there. So God is able to work. And there's a lot more on this here, but we'll cover that later because I want to bring a whole message out on just that one issue and what that's talking about. But just so that you kind of get an idea on that. Uh, look in Matthew 19. Matthew chapter 19. Look in verse 28. Uh, Jesus also talking to his disciples about in the kingdom, during the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven upon the earth. He says in verse 27, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, that's doing the kingdom. And so in the book of Matthew, it talks an awful lot about the kingdom of heaven, when the king comes and sets up his kingdom upon the earth. So in the book of Matthew, as the king of Israel, he builds a cabinet of his men, and he gives us the constitution, starting around verse 5 on, of how he's going to rule in the kingdom upon the earth. And look what he says, that when he comes back at that time, when the Son of Man shall set in his throne of his glory, in verse 28, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So are these apostles going to be judging the twelve tribes of Israel? That's what he said. But that's doing the kingdom of heaven. And so whenever he talks back there, just go back there very quickly to Matthew chapter 16. And notice in verse 19, Verse 19, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That's not the keys to the church. That's to the kingdom upon the earth. That's a totally different period of time. But see, when you don't take these things and put it in the right place, you can, you can get all balled up. I sometimes still get all balled up because you can't always remember all these scriptures and where they're found. And sometimes you, you make a statement, in, but you don't know there's another verse that might contradict this, what you just said. But the, the misunderstanding can be with us, not the Scriptures. The Scriptures are not wrong. So don't 
discredit the Bible because you don't understand it. That doesn't mean the Bible is wrong just because, well, I just don't get it. The Bible must be wrong then. Not exactly. There was a time when I didn't even know there were books in the Bible. I didn't know there was an Old Testament or a New Testament. And I was 18 years old. So what I know about the Bible, I have learned since then, not before then. But go back there to Matthew in chapter 16, and you'll notice this. In verse 21, he says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and he said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. In other words, you have offended me. For thou savoreth not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. Now all this, take up your cross, follow me. This is for service. This is not for salvation. This is as a disciple. And so he talks about the reasons why, because God is going to reward you for what you do for him, what you do for his sake. And in verse 24, what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The word soul here is talking about your life. You lose your purpose in life. You lived your life, but you didn't live it for the Lord. He said, oh, what would you give in exchange for your life? Here you are. God has given you a reason to live. But you exchange it for something else. Isn't that what we do? We're making choices, decisions. So he says up there in the last part of this verse, in verse 27, For the Son of Man come in the glory of his Father with his angels, then, see that word then? Then he shall, and what's that word? Reward. Reward. See, salvation is always free. That is always the gift of God, it's not of works. So when he's talking about working and rewards and glory, you know he's talking about service then. So he says, he shall receive every man according to his work. Isn't that what we find in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 3 and verse 8? Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own what? His own labor. Your own work. So that's for reward. So God is going to reward us. So then he says, I got something I'm going to tell you. And um, got to keep it a secret. You know, there's times when Jesus did things and he said, now don't tell nobody about this. Don't tell nobody about this. <laughs> did you know that they kept that secret? As far as we know, they kept that secret. The secret was, you see, there was multitudes and then there was the 12 and then there was Peter, James, and John. This inner circle. And he showed them something and says, no, shh, don't tell nobody else about this. So what he did was awesome. See there in verse 28. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Hmm. Some of you are standing here and you are not going to taste of death until you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom in power and great glory. The way that he will be when he comes they're going to get a glimpse of it. Wouldn't you like to have been there to see that? Well, that's what happens in chapter 17. It's called the transfiguration, the Mount of Transfiguration. So in verse 
1, And after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then answered Peter, and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and says, Arise, be not afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man except Jesus only. Now, there's people who have made a whole religion off of just Jesus only. They're just a Jesus only group. Uh, sometimes you want to just slap their jaws. Because they will. That's just like reading the book of Acts. And it says, Paul says, unless you abide in the ship, you shall not be saved. So, there's a new group out now called the Shipites. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just making that up. But, but it says there, unless you abide in the ship, you can't be saved. Therefore, you can start a whole doctrine on that. Don't want to be saved. You've got to get in a ship and stay there. I wouldn't mind going on one of those cruises, just get on that ship and just stay there. And they feed me and all that stuff. Wouldn't that be nice? You know, I know of some people, and I've talked to some people on the ship the last time we were on this cruise. This couple had been on 52 or 53 cruises. They said that that's how, that's their retirement. Instead of having a house, you've got to pay taxes and maintenance and upkeep and invest all that much money. He said, we just took our money and we buy cruises. And we, because on the cruise, he said, we get all of our food, all of our laundry, everything's done. We don't do any dishes. We have no utility bills. We have, and they got, a, they got doctors on board. And so we just go from one cruise to the next cruise to the next cruise. And said for a couple thousand dollars a month, he says, we, just, we can just live like that. And so I was thinking to myself, self, <laughs> sure is a nice way to see the world and just go from one place to the next like that. So we're going to start a group called the Shipites. We call it the Yankeeites. No, we won't get there. They used to call it, you know, Ray Stanford, the Stanfordites. I guess you get the Hankites, you know. I am of Hank, I am of, no, no. Uh, 